This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. And Tim Sullivan, I'm just realizing here as West Bowling that I say the word covered twice in about five words there, and that is what we would call in the news industry redundant. Yeah, um, you've been saying basically that exact spiel for well over two years now, so I'm just going to let it slide. <laughs> you've, never, you've never told me. I know every time I've said that ever, you've said, you've thought to yourself, should I say something? Should I say something? As a top class writer that you are, you never <laughs> did. I, I don't know if I should be flattered by that or insulted that you didn't yeah. bring it up. So. It's probably just trying to trying to crawl into a podcast hole and, and hope it passes me by. <laughs> As we do every week here on Club and Country. Uh, <laughs> what's new? What's new with you? Uh, not a whole lot, man. Just uh, ready for MLS to be back. Ready First, for CONCACAF Champions League, we will not be calling it Cup on this podcast of record. Um, and since we're the podcast of record, that means it's officially not been name changed on us. So there we go. That's that's at least in Tennessee. That is our jurisdiction. <laughs> and that is the rule. When Gary Smith said CCC or say, 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 uh, I was James and James and the Giant Peach in eighth grade. That was the peak of my British accent. When he said that on the press conference this Sunday, I thought maybe they should have bleeped the last C just to keep it clear, <laughs> but it sounded so unnatural. So this is again spiritually uh, CCL, and we've got a lot to talk about. You know, we got a, a mailbag question that that admitted at the beginning that it was a slow week, and yet again, this is of course still hot Tim winter, and uh, there's still plenty to talk about, including basically what Gary Smith talked about. You know, he gave yeah. a 25 minute press conference, Tim, and as, as veterans of those press conferences, we know that means about five or six questions. Um, but they were good questions uh, asked by our media core and strong answers from Gary Smith. And so what I thought we'd do today with your approval is we would take the top four sound bites that he uttered and break them down a little bit and try to translate Gary Smith's speak into what fans can glean from it. So, with your approval, does that sound yes, like a good plan tonight? I approve. Let's do it. Uh, you know what else we approve of, of course, is ML Rose. Uh, a little behind-the-curtain action. We're recording this at 7.30 p.m. on a Tuesday instead of our usual time. because so we both had crazy days, crazy work days, all that stuff. Uh, also, I'm in Florida right now at the family's beach place during a planned, you know, little travel situation, I guess you could say, for work and a little break between travel. Anyway... Every restaurant here, except for one, closed at 6.05 p.m. 6.05, because it's 40 degrees and breezy. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if there was an ML Rose at this particular complex, I'd honestly, we wouldn't be talking right now, Tim. I'd still, I'd still be there. I love you, buddy. <laughs> You'd You're be awesome. podcasting, podcasting, sitting at the bar at ML Rose. Still have never done that. Need to do that. Maybe this season on 8th Avenue, but... You know, a place that is consistently open until past 6 p.m., but also to a normal mm -hmm. human hour where people might still be eating. It is a blessing that uh, I uh, never took for granted, but especially not now. Yeah, and that's something that when I first moved to Nashville, I've, I've told various versions of this story before. But unless you wanted to, like, go to Broadway, if you wanted to go, like, have a beer on a Sunday evening, there are no options. Um, that has changed in the past few years. Yeah. But 
Um, for a really long time, ML Rose was one of the few, very few places that was going to consistently be available seven days a week, basically. And that's something that, um, you know, has, has it made me a fan then and I remain a fan now. And as, as the uh, footprint of ML Rose continues to grow, all of the new uh, additions of the restaurant are, are similarly reliable and not just when they're going to be there, but what you're going to get and the quality of what you're going to get is unmatched uh, in, the, in the Nashville ecosphere. It's, and that's something else not to take for granted, right? Not just that somewhere is open, you know, past eight, nine o'clock, but also that it's going to be good food. I mean, that's two for two. I worked in the TV business for my first four years of my career and was working till midnight. And the number of meals that I ate on my wicker coffee table in front of <laughs> late night sports center at one thirty in the morning that were just regrettable choices. Like I'd be hung over without having a drink the next, you know, the next <laughs> day. Cause it's just the salt the crap. Like you can get good food, good food at ML Rose. And we're not talking two in the morning here. We're talking reasonable dinner hours that I am again, apparently having to be pretty, uh, open to whatever's still open at 6 30 PM. I think <laughs> I'm staying in a retirement community. I think I'm learning why my parents bought a place here. Um, but ML Rose is the place to go. Great beer selection as well. And uh, maybe that's a tease for something down the road, but we'll go uh, straight to the early shout now. Uh, we have some mailbag questions from you, and we may work a couple of those in to our analysis here. But let's go to Gary Smith now. Uh, he spoke on Sunday. He gave a press conference before the team headed to West Palm Beach for preseason. A couple phase uh, preseason schedule here that has them playing some MLS teams, some USL teams. Um, one note, by the way. Some of these clubs, Tim, love to, you know, have these glamour games. I mean, Miami and Dallas are playing at the Cotton Bowl in a preseason match. Mm -hmm. That would have blown my mind two years ago. Makes sense with Messi, of course, that they would at least trot them out for 15 minutes and collect yeah. their money. Nashville doesn't choose to do that. They're not going to go play some, you know, Bundesliga team to make their payday that doesn't really approximate right. the, the opponents they are going to face. It's either... MLS teams where they can prepare for teams at a similar level or USL where maybe they can exercise their depth. Do you like that approach as opposed to Nashville playing a marquee match against, I mean, you know, a, a Bundesliga team on their winter break? Um, selfishly, I don't like it. It would be cool to, <laughs> it would be cool to have something uh, more exciting going on. But um, from a practical perspective, I think that the reason they do it is because the front office sits down and they plan this stuff out uh, extremely meticulously they are picking even the even the mls teams that they pick they are picking for a reason it is to prepare for specific stuff um yes some of that is availability the people who are going to be training in the same places that they're training but for the most part it is training with a a specific goal in mind for each for each uh opponent that you play in preseason and it's something to um that they see to help themselves get ready for the season it's not it's unfortunately for for us media and fans, it's not a a spectator event. It is a a essentially a glorified training session. And um, as long as they take it that seriously, uh, perhaps too seriously from my perspective, but as long as they take it that seriously, uh, I understand why they do it. So we'll run through the preseason schedule really quickly here before we get to Gary's first of, of four sound bites we'll talk about. And I want to try to understand a reason for scheduling each of these five teams. I'll, I'll cheat and go four and five first. Birmingham, Memphis 901, Hatchiotis Park, proximity plays, getting used to the game day routine, right? Like, yeah, nothing more than that, I would say. It's convenient. Sure, great for the two teams that, that are in USL, but not a lot to that. The three mm -hmm. MLS teams, St. Louis City. Press. Press, exactly what I was going to go with. Getting used to the press 
this is a Nashville team again that's never beaten Red Bulls in is it four or five tries now? You know those those yeah, types of teams and and developing composure against that type of of I would say defense, but it's even the attack. It's just it's a the gig mm-hmm. press for real. SKC is this more than just Mike Jacobs knows these guys and they're going to be at the same place? I think there's something to be said for um, an appreciation of of what a lot of clubs are doing and it's not what what sporting kansas city was doing even just a few years ago and that's the club that's kind of playing it straight down the middle this is a club that that is going out and uh you know hitting 160 yard drives rather than swinging for the fences and trying to go for the green on par fives or whatever as i really torture that metaphor (laughs) but this is a club this is a club that is that is playing straight up soccer they have the ability to press they have the ability to possess i think knowing the relationships between their technical staff and mike jacobs especially but but also other members of, of nashville sc's organization i think you can kind of see it as one of those glorified training sessions where each team will give the other one something that they want in terms of hey come out and press us for a little bit come out and possess for a little bit and we'll we'll kind of um, play with each other in a, in a manner that allows each of us to get the most out of this game rather than just saying, okay, we're going to go out there and we're going to play against a team where we know exactly what they're going to do. And, and we're, we're going to try to win in a preseason match. That's not what, what Nashville SC is really going for here. Then on groundhog day, Friday, February 2nd, Nashville and Toronto. Is that just Nashville scouting, which Toronto players it wants to buy next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's giving, it's giving the, uh, the expat legion from, from TFC a little chance to see some of their old <laughs> friends, you know, get a chance of to course. catch up a little bit, but yeah. um, realistically what you get with Toronto FC and, and obviously they have had a lot of turmoil in the last couple of years after they became one of the model franchises that fell apart really quickly um you're going to see a club that is is going to be giving minutes to some of its top players and and toronto is still a club that is going to pay and and bring in top players Mm -hmm. i think getting used to the level of the best player you'll see um well second best player you'll see i guess rather than worrying about the best team you'll see is something that can be an important kind of adjustment period as you play your final preseason match against mls competition before they come back home and and play those two usl clubs Nashville previously has been primarily on the West Coast, uh, the Gulf Coast, and now on the East Coast. Part of that, just the spring training vibe of where are the other teams that we can match up against. So uh, is this the first year that they play zero games in Bradenton? I think it's got to be. You're right. I think you're exactly right. I'm going back even to USL, right? Yeah. Yeah. IMG Academy was kind of the place to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Port St. Lucie, West Palm Beach and Palm Beach Gardens. The big three really of Florida, if you're talking, (laughs) or at least of the palms of the beach or the beaches with palms and two of those. Uh, Definitely uh, very... uh, Intriguing locations, but again, Nashville, uh, proximity to those teams, uh, a big factor Mm -hmm. there as well. Don't have to travel very much. All right, so let's get into Gary Smith's thoughts. I thought it was a really interesting press conference, as much for what Gary Smith almost said or did not say, because he's very savvy, and we know that. He's not going to give us exactly the straight-up answer. Like, if he really wants, for instance, another central midfielder, he won't tell us that. He'll say, quote, we're still looking but yeah, he's he's very good at being completely honest by commission yes. while yes. being very willing to uh, not quite be dishonest, but uh, leave some things out by omission that that you can kind of read between the lines on. Having been on broadcast calls with Gary Smith right after he's given his public press conference, <laughs> I, I can never once tell you a time when he's been dishonest with the public yeah he just knows like you said he's he knows exactly what to say what to leave out 
Um, and so we thought we might speak Gary for a little bit, and we don't want to put words in the man's mouth. And so we are giving our interpretations of that. Uh, we are not trying to betray any confidence of Gary. We're not trying to, you know, assume anything. We'll we'll have ethics here about it, of course, but but we want to tell you what we think Gary might be saying and flat out what we think Nashville needs based on the comments he's made. So with that, let's go to our first clip. It is Gary Smith talking about the, uh, the offseason and his opportunity to reflect during that period. Bit of time for reflection for me and to look at certainly how the season ended, some of the things that we might be able to improve on. Um, and I think more importantly, you know, we've seen over the, the course of the last couple of years, evolution in the group is vital. Um so there's some things in preseason I'd love to try and have a look at and see if the group can warm to it. All right. So Tim Gary talks about reflecting. He talks about, you know, a chance to get some new ideas for how this team can play. In your opinion, what did he most need to reflect on? And what adjustments do you think he'll try to make to address what was clearly a team that didn't achieve like it won in the second half of last year? Uh, I, I know he talked a, a little bit more about evolution and style of play, but I think the thing that probably was needed uh, in terms of in terms of uh, how the club sort of fell apart towards the end of the year was a willingness to play more of his depth, a willingness to pick your spots to play your depth. The team got tired. They played more games mm-hmm. um, than anyone other than Miami in the uh, in the league's cup, and they they ran out of steam. And I think something that you can do um, that might be part of uh, what what they uh what they might try to do and and we'll uh, have some discussion about that I, I believe in the mailbag if I if I recall correctly but uh is 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 play with the ball more not as a manner uh, of breaking opponent opposing defenses down although also you do that but as a way to conserve your energy it yeah. takes a lot of energy to play against the ball a lot and we've seen Nashville play against the ball a whole lot in the past couple of years and I think uh they talk about it each off season basically but I think there's there's uh, more defensive value than attacking value, even that they're looking to gain by by playing a little bit more with the ball. I'm really looking forward to this mailbag question because I have thoughts. Yeah. But another thing that that I feel like we haven't discussed as much, we talk a lot, and you're exactly right about the fatigue of last year, and and that Nashville, perhaps if they lost in the first round or second round of the League's Cup knockout round, might have had an opportunity not only to rest bodies, but also I wonder if they could have. If, if it could have given Gary Smith license to make some tactical changes, you know, we know Gary well, he is, you know, yeah. a master tactician and, and you guys at home may be frustrated with the lack of attack. I mean, certainly would, would justify and, and validate that, especially toward the end of last year, but given a week off, Gary's really good about going from the four, four, two to the three, five, two, or a, mm-hmm. for instance, or a four, two, three, one, a different the, midfield. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't believe that Gary's mind slowed down last year. I think he probably had every thought that he would have had in a standard season. But then there's the cost-benefit analysis of, okay, if I try to drill the team in a 4-2-3-1 switch or a 3-5-2 switch in one one day of training between matches, you know, or with tired minds and bodies, is that going to render the effects that it otherwise might have? And I think there was, you know, some tactical deficiency last year simply because Gary didn't have the time to make the adjustments or find the second or third options or to teach them to his team. Is that a fair hypothesis in your view? Yeah. I mean, it can, it can be fair, but also um, basically every other team, not every other team, but teams that made it more than, you know, out of the group stage of, of the league's cup had a similar situation. And, you know, you, you picked up a week or two if you didn't make that round, but you, you know, 
it was not just a one week issue that Nashville SC had towards the end of the year, I guess is the best way to put it. Sure. He would have liked to implement changes with, with a little bit more time between some games, but, uh, that you know, a uh, complete curveball only gets you so much, and I don't think that that was as big of a a singular issue as it as it you know, as you look at the total body of evidence of what went wrong towards the end of last season, it was one factor. It was probably not the factor. To no, me. it's singular is definitely way too strong a statement. I'm certainly not suggesting that. I think hired bodies and and the oldest yeah. team in the league. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just you know, kerosene and and a match, if you will. But I, I do think there would have been more chance to yeah. see Gary's tactical ingenuity had there been more more time between matches in some cases to employ that. And I think I can be optimistic if I'm thinking as a Nashville SC supporter about the chance, as Gary Smith has reflected, that he's probably spent every day thinking about a plan A, plan B, and plan C, especially with the bodies he knew were coming in. Yeah. Um, so interested to see that. All right, let's go uh, to the next clip from Gary. And this might be one of my favorites. I think it spawned about eight questions and I'll just ask you one or two here. <laughs> um, in Gary talking about this team, listening to his voice and being inspired by what he has to say. Let's go to that clip now. We got ourselves into our first final last year, which I think everyone was, you know, mentally extremely pleased about. It stretches the group. It gives you a taste of what you're after. The challenge for me is, A, to make sure that the guys are still inspired by my voice, what I'm asking. They're still locked in to what we're trying to achieve. Um, but secondly, to make sure that maybe any improvements in the group are taking us in that direction. The team has to evolve. You know, we've lost some players in the off-season that have been incredibly good for us. In in Dax's case, we don't know the team without him. So, you know, there are going to be some changes in the team that I'm hoping are going to take us in a positive direction. And the preseason will give us a, a good idea as to whether or not that's going to be the case. All right, so if... If Gary is talking about, you know, getting behind this group in preseason, Tim, and taking the opportunity to have these guys be inspired by his voice, do you think they were ever less than inspired by his voice last season? Was that part of this issue? And if so, how does he regain their ears? And are the new additions, which we'll talk about in a second, enough to then take them in the, quote, positive direction that Gary claims? Or is this just going to be a chance, a fresh start with veterans for them to take a shower, watch last season's finish off of them, and they'll be good. So first of all, this this does sound and um, you know also read like the sort of quote that um, the the uh, national MLS media will pick up on and, and think it's Gary Smith saying, I cannot coach anymore. I cannot coach this team. We need to turn over the roster because Definitely these guys. Not. Yeah. And it's it's just the way Gary talks. I think, yeah. you know, yeah. he, when he says, you know, inspired by my voice, I, it's... It's really just sort of saying, oh, yeah, it, you know, on a week to week basis where they still feeling it, it's not as serious as it sounds when you right. when he says right. even when he says it. But if you've talked to him um, basically more than anybody else, as, as you certainly have, and I'm probably not too far behind you in terms of, um, you know, just media conversations with him, this it's it reads more serious than it is. But at the same time, I do think there's something to what he's saying where. Um, whether it's a fresh idea from him, whether it is some turnover in the roster, which he he mentioned, um, you know, the departure of Dax, for example. I don't think the team gets better 
um, you know, from a technical and tactical standpoint, because Dax McCarty is gone. I do think Gary Smith sees an opportunity now that Dax is gone to say, okay, now I have a chance to kind of impart my, uh, you know, thumbprint on some of these younger guys in a way that um, as, as, as much of a team first guy as Dax always was, you don't really have that opportunity when you, when you're trying to kind of inspire a guy who's been in the league for 15 years. It's mm-hmm. just a different sort of problem. And it's um, obviously a problem that, that Gary has uh, done done a very good job solving uh, with dealing with a, a lot yeah. of veteran guys who may or may not, you know, be on top of what he's saying all the time. And I think it's a different problem that um, he will also be able to solve, but it might not uh, be super smooth right away either. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to claim that losing Dax McCarty or Fafa Pico qualifies as addition by subtraction. Those are two veteran forces, <laughs> right. veteran players still with legs in them. And honestly, you know, even Dax in Atlanta, I sure hope. And I think that Nashville SC supporters will wish him the absolute best. But when you do then go from Fafa Pico to Tyler Boyd and you lose about 10 years of age and you go from from Dax McCarty to Drew Yearwood, not that those are necessarily both like for like replacements, but I mean, you're getting about 20 years of youth right there. Uh, and I mm-hmm. do think that psychologically there's there's a point there when yeah. this veteran group, for whatever reason, didn't display all the advantages you'd hope to get from a veteran group, such as yeah. composure, such as steeliness in, in late moments. So I think there's reason to be optimistic about those two changes, even as I think and I hope that Dax and Fafa both have considerable success. Fafa now in Vancouver, by the way, yeah. and Dax, uh, as everyone knows by now, in Atlanta. But should be really interesting to see what, what that means, but I think it does mean maybe some fresh ideas. Now, what about fresh qualities on the field? Uh, this is the These are always the clips I enjoy the most, whether it was a private conversation with Gary or a public conversation. You know, what does what, what do new additions bring to this team? And uh, once again, as always, Gary, substantive insight on what Tyler Boyd and Drew Yearwood bring to this team uh, as they come in and are expected, I think, to be pretty key contributors pretty early this year. If I take Tyler for, you know, the first example, I mean, he's had a terrific season back in MLS with with Galaxy. He's, he's, he's had a good career to this point. Great experience in Europe. Um I think a lot of his qualities, both of those guys, if you look at the fundamental qualities that those guys possess, they, they really encapsulate what we're about as well as a team. They're both very team-orientated players. If you look at what Tyler's assets and qualities are, you know they're going to be far more uh, positive and, and creative than you would expect Drew's to be. But in Drew, I think we see an individual who has all of the, um, I think, athletic qualities that we'll probably needed to add to the group at this point. Um, a young player, still developing, still growing, um, out of a Red Bull group that's ultra-competitive. Um, but I do think an opportunity at this point in his career to, to try and just mould that that type of personality into something that, is going to suit us a little bit better. All right, Tim. So we've talked about Yearwood, about Boyd, pretty mm-hmm. extensively and tactically what they bring. As you hear Gary Smith talk about them, does that bring any new ideas to mind? Or is there anything else that excites you most about them as you hear the gaffer talk about them? Um, 
I would I would like to say that it makes me feel like a genius because he basically confirmed my priors on on what I thought about both of those guys. <laughs> yeah. um, I know when we talked about Boyd, I was like a little iffy on the on the acquisition. Kind of digging a little bit more into how he adapted in his first year in MLS. I'm I'm higher on it. It, it was a really good season with the Galaxy, and that was a terrible team to be quite I mean, honest. I mean, <laughs> Nashville would take eight and six this year. Eight yeah. all six assists. They would take yeah. that for Boyd in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. But I think what he said about Yearwood was even more uh, intriguing to me because he he was very clear to say, you know, we see an individual that has the athletic qualities, but he's still developing. And and you forget because this is a guy who came in as a young DP mm-hmm. um, and, and fans are kind of ex- upset at the at the mechanism that was used to bring him in because it limits Nashville's roster flexibility going forward. But this is a guy who had the quality to come in as a young DP. And he is a guy that does have the athletic traits and you just kind of forget because of that combination that he can still develop. I think Gary sees a young guy who has really good athletic ability, has really good technical quality, and just hasn't put it together yet in Major League Soccer and says, uh, you know, that, you know, I can be the guy to get the most out of Drew Yearwood. And, and that's something that I think is exciting. It's not obviously not a guarantee that Gary Smith is right about that, but it is something that I do think they look at and say, you know, We've done this before with with Red Bulls players. We've done this before yeah. with Toronto FC players. We feel like we can get more out of these guys than they were getting at their old clubs. And that's something that that we've, you know, there's a track record of success that we've been able to see on the field in a number of instances. Yeah, I love the money ball philosophy because it's not, as we've talked about extensively, and asked Mike Jacobs about multiple we, times. We talked about this so long, two weeks or two episodes ago. So long. But but I love I so much love that it's it's not about hey we got to save money we got to be the lowest payroll in the league which Nashville isn't by the way I mean they're mid tier they're not significant but it's about finding those undervalued assets right and, and yeah. so so Yearwood comes in Qual- quality a- but distressed asset I think is the is the yeah. important distinction for Yearwood because he is yes. an established level player yes. that hasn't lived up to it yet no I mean he's at Brentford you know at the time in the championship and can't can't get on the pitch. He comes to New York and and I love the argument that Matt Doyle makes. And it's something that reflects what you've said, probably deliberately. So I, as I was reading, honestly, Matt Doyle's analysis of, of Boyd and of your, what I'm thinking, Oh, he's listening to our show. He's listening to Tim or he's reading clubcountryusa.com. Probably is. He's been on the show a couple of times, but Doyle said, yeah, he comes into New York as this heralded, really talented player, but maybe he's just not a fit for the super pressing mm-hmm. system. He's a more refined midfielder than that. And I mean, Doyle makes the argument, as you have, that coming in, you know, he has the ability now to carry, to mm-hmm. distribute, to not just think about defense, 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 you know, bumper cars, and now let's just lob one in the box. He can be a more refined player. And and I think there should be optimism around what Yearwood can bring to this team as a result. And and Boyd, too. I mean, a younger version of Fafa, who I think can distribute really effectively. I think Nashville has yeah. every reason. To be yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think Boyd is is going to fool anybody into thinking he's like Fafa fast no. or even no, no, Schaffelberg no. fast. But right. the the uh, the productivity that you get out of him, even for a bad Galaxy team, is is more than Nashville ended up getting from its from its probably uh, certainly more athletic and and possibly as talented wingers. So I think there's a really yeah. good opportunity to once again to to kind of plug in a piece that. Is not necessarily a a a talent upgrade for what you have, but it might be a, a fit upgrade for what you need. And and anytime we say that, especially because we have said it about Yearwood and Dax, we're not saying that he's a better player, but 
given what Nashville needs at this time, it might it might just be a better piece of the puzzle for the, for this particular moment in time. Especially understanding that the key word there is evolution. It's not like for like. It's not mm-hmm. this player is now this player. It's how does this player fit into the puzzle versus the other moves that, that Nashville's making? And I, I would agree with you. I mean, last year, the mandate was speed on the flanks. That was it. You know, mm-hmm. when when Mike Jacobs made the moves for Schaffelberg, who I think still is going to be a great fit in this club, uh, certainly. I think yeah. most people would say that. And, and because the mandate was Nashville just got a lot faster. Now I think it's, all right, speed's not everything. There's some refinement and surface that needs to happen too. And I think that's the evolution this offseason. If I had to name one mandate, is okay serving this club's needs and positional versatility which i think boyd and yearwood both are going to provide this group Uh, all right last clip and then we'll quickly go through the mailbag uh gary smith talking about the potential for future moves as many of you are asking with you know four or so roster spots remaining we're always looking and um you know discussing what you know the, the the big questions what do we need can we find it and will it come at a cost or what does that mean to the group ultimately? So I think the simple answer to the question is we continue to look as a group um, and when I say group obviously I mean myself and Mike and the senior staff, up, the technical staff upstairs as to what we could add to the group and, and how we could add that to the group but I think as we look at what's going on with the team right now, that would probably mean losing someone as well at this point. So you've got to consider what consequences there are to adding and is that piece of vital importance to the team and how does it affect everyone? So yes, we are is a simple answer, but it's never simple, is it? All right, so we're going to speak Gary here perhaps more than any other answer. As Gary says, and I believe he completely is being accurate, hey, we're always looking. What does Nashville need still, Tim? Will they find it at the level they would like to have it? Uh, and then I'll ask you one more question on the back end of that. Yeah, I think the t- answer to the second question, I think Gary kind of <laughs> kind of gave up his hand there saying like, Look, if we want to get the sort of piece that that we need or that we that we believe could be an upgrade, we're going to have to lose somebody that we really like that we mm-hmm. that we use. So I, I think that probably means in terms of big time contributors, you don't see it certainly not until the summer window at this point. Yeah. Even if Gary is sitting there saying we could probably use something, I think the fact that he's saying well, but we don't want to give anybody up is kind of saying well, we're not going to give anybody up in the process. <laughs> That's what I was wondering, and that was my next question for you. Is he, A, trying to prepare Nashville supporters for losing a player that perhaps might be beloved a la Dax, or is he simply more broadly setting supporters' expectations for living in a salary cap world that, yes, there are roster spots remaining, but because of the necessity of maintaining a core and using that gam to buy down veteran players, Nashville's not going to have the kind of resources that might appear on paper or in our minds that they might have to bring in a marquee player. I don't, uh, I know Gary is always sending a message with the way he chooses to answer (laughs) a question, but it really doesn't feel like he's sending a specific message so much as as just kind of laying out the cards right now and and not um, trying to push the the front office in one way or another or, or push the fan base in one way or another to understanding what the front office is doing. I think what he's saying is, is, 
accurate enough to the point that it that it will come into play if and when Nashville makes a later move. Um, I don't think that he's looking at it saying, oh, you know, when we sell Walker Zimmerman to Chivas or whatever, <laughs> uh, th- th- this is why. Sorry, everybody. Are um, you uh, are you breaking that news right now? Walker to Chivas? You're, you're yeah, Walker, he's going to go re- uh, reunite with uh, Brandon Daniel Vasquez. Rios. Daniel Rios, too. Is he still there? Oh, my goodness. I thought, I thought yeah, they moved him again already. I think huh? so. Good for him. Daniel Rios. Club and country favorite, but, but absolutely good dude. Good dude. Yeah, really, really good dude. Um, I don't I, I just don't think that he's that he's got kind of a subtext to what he's saying. I think it's just kind of an honest laying out of the situation in this case. It wouldn't surprise me if it goes one way or the other and, and and we kind of get a vibe that okay, he maybe was saying we're not doing anything, or maybe he was saying, um, you know, Hani Mukhtar is going to Barcelona. Um I, I gotta come up with a, a comedy third uh <laughs> fake transfer rumor here, but would that would that um, be I, called a Farcelona? <laughs> hey, there we go. Um it'd be a Farcelona, actually. Sir. <laughs> Thank but, you. But, but but yeah, I think I think as we as we approach the the summer window is when we're more likely to see any addition that meaningfully changes the makeup of the team as it stands now. And, and at that point, you'll probably have a good idea for which, you know, fan favorite is, is unfortunately on the chopping block by that point. Yeah. And and when Gary and Mike both tell you that transfers are collaborative and that nobody's going to be brought in that, you know, wasn't signed off on by everyone. That's true. That's absolutely true. The positional profile thing, all that stuff, absolutely accurate. Uh, but I could also see Gary Smith throwing up his hands and saying, "Look, we've had you know two, three months. I, I've got to focus on this group now. And if you bring me anybody else, let's talk. But you mm-hmm. bring me somebody else. He he can't afford to be dreaming of somebody else when he's drawing up plans for the guys yeah. he has now. And I do think there's something to be said for um, kind of going back to what we we said earlier." the frustration with the way the season kind of collapsed. Part of that is they brought in a really good player who showed out really well in leagues cup. And then Sam Surridge only had, I believe one MLS goal, if I were, maybe a couple, but he didn't contribute the way that was expected of him. And I don't think that's a, a knock on Sam Surridge, but no. it can be a frustration for the coaching staff for the technical staff that it didn't happen, but it can be a sign going forward that you don't need to make changes until you see if, um, either that sort of situation is going to recur. I wouldn't expect it. Serge is a really good player, mm-hmm. or if or if you have other areas that are kind of unexpected uh, steps backward. To a lightning mailbag today. Great question from Nashville SC Stats. Uh, maybe you did this when the schedule was released, and I forgot. He says, but what stretch of games is the most difficult, and which is the easiest for NSC? And as I open up the schedule, I mean, I look him at the summer of soccer that could have been for Nashville at home and isn't. They mm-hmm. start with so many home games that in July they have one home match in five and they go to Columbus, to a possibly rejuvenated Portland, a possibly rejuvenated DC, to Philadelphia and they host Atlanta in there too and then you look at August, just two games in August because the League's Cup, but one of them is at Orlando. I mean, to me, that's inarguably one of the toughest, if not the toughest when you talk about a defending champion a Portland team with a new manager. We'll see how that goes, but it's a long trip and that's a short week. And of course at Philadelphia, not to mention the one time you're hosting anybody, it's Orlando and you're tired leading up to league's cup. That's brutal. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, it's not that the MLS schedule makers were, were out to get Nashville, but man, they were not out to protect Nashville from a really <laughs> no. tough stretch there. No, they and not. I know if you look around the league, a lot of other clubs have some of these tough stretches, Big part of that is just the nature of of having to cram in a a mid season tournament, but it is a situation where I think um, 
as we said contemporaneously, once Nashville got out of the group stage, once they started winning games in League's Cup, uh, you want to go get a trophy. I think maybe this year they'll, they're more likely to say, man, we saw what happened last year. We, we might be well served by a little bit of rest if we don't <laughs> make it all the way through. Two more for us tonight. I think there are a couple others that will lead to maybe even a full episode each or at least a larger conversation um, or a conversation with a club official TBD on that. Um, stay tuned. Yeah, Logan. From Wesley Bryant, where can I get true <laughs> weather tire? <laughs> tires.com slash weather or nokeentires.com slash remedy. Corporate shill is going to corporate shill. Uh, Logan Elliott, our shill, the shill for us. Logan Elliott, love you, Logan. Uh, any thoughts on Hani saying the team needs to see more of the ball, which he did say recently in a press conference, mm-hmm. and whether this comment could be directed at the coaching staff or conversely a sign that Hani's spoken with the coaching staff and he's hinting at a change in approach. Tim, I'm just going to say it. If your striker or its leading scorer doesn't want more of the ball, there's something wrong with him. If a wide receiver doesn't want 80 catches a game, there's something yeah. wrong with him. This is just finding, I think, wanting to prove himself and bounce back from a challenging uh, second half of last year. Anything more to yeah. that? Yeah, I'm well, speaking of hinting, I hinted at this in the open, but um, I, I think there's something to be said for Hani specifically being a player that seems to get bogged down when this team isn't able to play in transition. I don't think Hani's game particularly is super well served by having more of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, as I as I mentioned I before, I yeah. I think there's there's something to be said for rest defense getting a little bit um of or getting a little bit of rest as as you as you stand on the ball a little bit as a team, but I don't think the way Hani individually succeeds is by this team having more of the ball. It's by allowing him to drive at back lines in mm-hmm. transition, and that's something that um uh, again, like you said, every striker. Every uh, attacking player wants more of the ball. That's the nature of, of the position. That's the nature of the personalities of guys that play the position. But I don't think it serves the team well. And uh, and frankly, I think it's sort of something that he's said multiple years in the past. Um, yeah. I think he said it before <laughs> every season after 2020. Yeah. Maybe it was a little bit true going into 2021, but I think it's just kind of more uh, every, every new uh, head football coach in college football, we can't miss our college football reference says, Oh yeah, we're going to have a wide open offense and we're going to mm-hmm. be an attacking defense. And we're going to have the best strength coach. Our guys have all gained 15 pounds this off season. It's it's talk. And it that doesn't mean it's, it's um, BS, but it does mean that you have to kind of take it in context of, of where it fits. And our quarterback's going to be another coach on the field. We're going to play smart, play <laughs> fast. Uh, last question really quickly. NSCX. Any predictions for non-Hani standout player in 24? And he gives three options. Tyler Boyd, a more seasoned Schaffelberg, or a settled Surge. I love your alliteration, first of all. It's got to be Surge, right? I mean, the man yeah. performed incredibly well in a small sample size. There's our other gratuitous mention in League's <laughs> Cup. And then he cooled off. I think this yeah. is his year to heat up. We've talked about that before. Any Any reason to choose anybody else over surge there no i think i think boyd is a good option just because he has been productive for a different team shaffelberg i think has already broken out it would just be a matter of staying healthy all year and being available all year um that's something that we haven't seen enough of from him but i think surge and boyd are are easily your favorite picks here all right time to run thank you guys as always thanks to ml rose for the incredible burgers and beer 440 sports for the microphone moon taxi for the music at the beginning and the end can't wait to talk to you guys next week a lot of exciting things headed your way by the way with this podcast. Can't wait to share them with you.